Welcome to the Martin Bailey Photography Podcast. It's March 18, 2013, and this is episode 364. Most of you already know that I, I'm not really much of a street photographer. I, I dabble in it, I enjoy it, but I, I've not really, it's definitely not one of my stronger genres. So having spoken recently with uh, my fellow TWIP, this week in photo co-host Valerie Jardin, I thought it would be nice if we could sit down, have a chat and walk you through some of her beautiful street photography and intermingle some tips and techniques and some of the, the thoughts behind the images. So that's what we're going to do today. We've got an hour or so's wonderful chat with Valerie. So I hope you enjoy this. I certainly did and I learned a lot and it also has inspired me. I, I think I'm going to be throwing my camera over my shoulder a little bit more now as I walk out into the streets of Tokyo uh, because I, I certainly don't do enough street photography here on my doorstep. So let's jump into it and listen to our conversation with Valerie Jardin. So I'm really happy to be joined this morning by Valerie Jardin and uh, we're going to have a great chat about street photography and really introduce something that I don't do a lot of myself. So welcome to the show, Valerie. Thank you, Martin. I'm so excited to be on your show, finally, because <laughs> I, I, uh, I listen to it all the time. Well, that's great. I'm really, really pleased to, to, that you were able to join me. Um, you know, obviously, people, listeners uh, that also listen to TWIP this week in photo will, will know that we've, we've co-hosted that together a number of times and so, you know, we're good friends anyway, uh, yes. but it, we're really just, uh, give, it give us a chance here to, to talk about something that I don't talk about a lot on this podcast. So I'm looking That's forward great. to this. Yeah. Great. So, so Valerie, let's jump straight in. And um, can you tell us uh, how you got into photography initially? You know, where did it all start? Well, it actually started late in life, not like some people who say, oh, I picked up my first camera when I was eight. Uh, that was not my case. Uh, I, I moved to the States. I'm from France, and I'm actually a French citizen. I'm a resident of the United States. And when I moved here, I didn't even have a camera. I mean, I had a point and shoot and didn't even take much, uh, didn't really take a whole lot of pictures with it. And about 15 years ago, I... Um, I was inspired to do actually landscape photography. And uh, after seeing the work of um, National Geographic, Jim Brandenburg, who is a Minnesotan, and um, after seeing his work, going to his gallery, I thought, hmm, I think I want to get into this. And I got a DSLR, and at the time it was film. And I uh, started shooting mostly, mostly landscape and nature. I wanted to be a wildlife photographer. Well, with kids, that's a hard thing to get into <laughs> when they're in tow all the time. So uh, the, my wildlife photography dreams were soon uh, gone. And uh, I started doing kids' portraits, basically, for for my friends. And one thing led to another, I started a business of um, mostly doing candid um, children portraits. Mm. And one thing led to another, I then did mostly commercial work for interior, um, interior photography, architecture, and food photography. So it was kind of a long stretch, but 
it, it didn't happen overnight either. And in the meantime, I, I started traveling back home a lot and starting doing a lot of street photography. And I did that for, for years, not thinking that's something I could just do in my own town here. I thought, you know, you do street photography when you travel, mm. but I never thought of it as something you could do here in your own town, in your own backyard. Mm. And so that's how I got interested in, in street photography. And I got inspired by a lot of, um, a lot of some of the, you know, the great street photographers, whether it's Duano or Cartier-Bresson and, uh, started doing a lot of black and white. Mm. And, uh, then one thing led to another, I, I, um, I started writing about it and teaching about it. And now what I mostly do is teach workshops and write about photography. And my workshops are not all about street photography, but it's a big component, um, introducing street photography, mm. among other things. So, so what other stuff do you do on your workshops? I imagine that there's a food aspect, you know, you're traveling quite a lot. It, what sort of stuff do you get up to? Well, um, the the weekend workshop. I do weekend workshops and I do week long workshops. The week long workshops um, that are um, mostly in France mm. are um, an introduction to street photography and how to incorporate people in your frame when you travel. Yeah. Um, and also how to see outside the postcard and how to photograph iconic landmarks differently mm. um like you know if we're shooting the Eiffel tower well everybody has a picture of the Eiffel tower that looks like a postcard but is that really exciting mm. not really and so it's teaching people to to look at at um at a city and make their own iconic images and that's often th through including um people yeah. I am I'm really big on that. Uh I think people are soul of a, the soul of a place and uh, having having uh, travel photos without the people you're missing a major component. Mm. And it's also about telling a story. Um and all those little detail shots that will make a wonderful travel book after your trip. So we do some travel food photography, an introduction to travel food photography, how to to actually uh, shoot decent images of your food when you're sitting in a restaurant with natural light using um, using simple reflectors and and natural window light, for example. So we touch on a lot of things that are not just street photography, but street photography being my passion, that's a big part of it. Mm, mm, I see. It sounds great. And so before we move on, I'll, I'll remind the listeners, you know, the, this is, this is episode 364. And that means that you can get to all of the links and the photos that we're going to be looking at shortly with the short link mbp.ac slash 364. And so, you know, we, we'll, I'll put links to everything that we're talking about here into these show notes. And you'll be able to listen to the podcast there, but you're already doing that if, if you're listening to this. So basically, you know, go over there to check out the images. Uh, Valerie's provide, provided us with 10 beautiful and very large sort of, even on a, a large monitor, you'll be able to see lots of detail in these images if you click on them. So go over to mbp.ac slash 364 to check all of that out as, as you listen. Um, so... Once you've, uh, you know, you've got started, you, you've bought yourself uh, a camera, you've started to do the street photography, um, I'm sure that there's a lot of stuff that jumps, you know, like, I mean, I get very, 
Uh, once I start, I'm okay, but I get quite anxious with street photography. You know, and I know that it's not always necessary to go up and ask permission. And sometimes, if you do, it's a totally different image. Um, but do you do you get very anxious when you're out? Do you do you normally ask for permission, or you know, how does that all work? Well, not really, because that totally ruins the moment mm. if you're doing candid street photography. And I. I, I'm I'm always nervous, and I think that's that's the adrenaline rush that keeps you, mm. <laughs> you know, wanting to do more, and it's very addicting. Um, I I used to hide behind uh, a 200 millimeter lens. You know, don't get me wrong, I didn't start shooting uh, three three feet from people right away. I was very very nervous. My first my first street shots were from a from a distance, mm. and then I realized that that wasn't the look I was looking for. I wanted to be close. I mm. wanted to be right there. And so I started uh, shooting with shorter and shorter lenses. And now actually my favorite lens, um, I still shoot with a DSLR because I just know my camera so well and I shoot with a 5D Mark II that I know I will eventually go to a smaller system like a micro four thirds. But right now I just, mm. I can change all the settings without looking, yeah. without even, and, and it's, it's so comfortable that I put the pancake uh, forty millimeter uh, Canon forty millimeter pancake lens mm. on on my Canon, and it makes it a pretty small camera yeah. uh, overall. And that's pretty much all I shoot now, and I love it. It's uh, it's a sharp little lens. It's uh, and it's very inconspicuous, and you have to get close. I mean, mm. with a forty, you have to get pretty close. Some some I don't want to be in your face either. I'm yeah. not. A street foot. I think you'll see my style of street photography. I'm not in your face, and that's okay. That I think that your style of street photography reflects your personality. Yeah. Um, but I, I like to be close, and um, so yes, you are. You're always nervous. I and but I'm not nervous of getting caught, and mm. I don't. I don't shoot, shoot, shoot. I only take one or two frames. I'm very respectful. And you only have one shot anyways. That that instant is only going to last. That that gesture, that expression is only going to last one shot. Mm. And so you have to be able to, um, to, to predict, not not predict is not, the, to anticipate is the better word, mm. to anticipate the moment, to get that, that right gesture, that right expression. Mm. And, um, and without without getting quote unquote caught. Yeah. Uh, that said, I'm okay if people see me after the fact, and I'm completely ready to answer their questions if mm. they have questions. I'm not going to run away, and that's yeah. I think that's the worst thing you can do is just get the shot and get out because you're not doing anything wrong. You're in a public place. You're taking photographs of of strangers in the streets. Yeah. In most countries, that's completely legal. Mm. So. Um, but I do ask permission to do a street portrait, which is a completely completely different thing. And we'll see in, in the sample images, a street portrait, there is an interaction with your subject. Yeah. So it's still candid in the way that you don't know the you don't know the person. Mm. It you you something attracted you to them, whether they have a really cool hat or a beautiful smile. And I usually just approach them. For me, that was much more difficult. Mm. For some people, it's easier because then they have permission. Yeah. Uh, for me, it was much more difficult, and it took me years to go from shooting only candid to going back and forth and shooting both 
whenever I wanted to on a, on a photo walk Mm. and ask, actually asking permission to, to make a portrait of a stranger by just telling them, wow, you have a beautiful smile. I would really like to take a picture. And, um, and people usually are okay. I mean, Mm. (laughs) I would love it if somebody told me I have a beautiful smile. Can I take your picture? (laughs) You know, it's a compliment. Um, Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so you touched on there. We, you know, we might as well. Um, I, I'm. I wanted to ask the question uh, that you know you touched on. There's only really one shot, and mm-hmm. that re- instantly reminded me of. I guess your 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 fellow countryman uh, Henri Cartier-Bresson. So he talked about the decisive moment, right? What is that? Is that what it's all about to you? Do you think that that's you know there is just one moment? I, I think so. And I think that's what he meant by it. And a lot of photographers have interpreted the decisive moment different ways. To me, it, it really means the anticipation of that one instant where you're going to get the shot and it's only going to, you're only going to have one shot. And it's mm. that expression, it's that gesture that's going to tell a story. Mm. And he was very good at that. And, uh, and I think you need to, I mean, you can train yourself to anticipate for that. Mm. Um, and you have to be patient in some, some cases, sometimes it happens as you're walking down the street and something catches your attention and something is going to happen. You always have to be ready. You can't just start, you know, taking off your lens cap. Mm. I mean, you have to be ready to shoot, uh, your camera can't be in the bag. There's no landscape. It has to be on and on a setting that you feel pretty comfortable is going to get the shot. You only get one one shot. I really believe I I barely get I usually don't get two of the right gesture. Mm. And I don't I don't machine gun it either. I don't just shoot, 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 thinking I'm going to get the shot because I find that I'm close to my subject. So that's going to draw a lot of attention Mm. and I don't want to draw attention. And so I prefer to be to anticipate and try to get the one shot or two mm. rather than just shoot, 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 thinking, okay, one of them is going to be good because mm. that attracts attention. And that's kind of disrespectful in a way. Mm. So d- didn't um, Brisson do the, um, you know, so I, I'm just recalling this now, but uh, I, I kind of can recall seeing some of his contact sheets where he actually, you know, he, he obviously there was only one moment where he said, this is the one, this is the shot. Mm-hmm. But he did sort of work his way into a scene, you know, and he would he would sometimes and unless I'm mistaken, but I'm pretty sure it was it was Cartier Besson that you know on looking at his con- contact sheets, he did sort of work in and you could see him moving towards the subject, and then he'd maybe you know he'd ha- he wouldn't have a whole load of frames and he certainly wouldn't be machine gunning, but he he did seem to work in a little bit do, do you do that will you walk? Yeah. Oh, I'll get, yes, yeah. I'll get as close as I can. And sometimes you don't know how much, you don't know how close you're going to be able to get. So I, and I, I use, um, I actually use the viewfinder. So I actually do have the camera right in front of my eye. Mm. I don't, I don't um, shoot from the waist or anything. I, 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 I like to frame um in the viewfinder. Mm. So I, I usually get closer and closer and try not to attract attention. So you do shoot a few frames before you get close enough. Yeah, I see. And then it's and then you know when you get the shot. You know that moment right. that's, and that's going the to be moment. right. Exactly. And that to me that's what I think he meant. Yeah. Um and and if 
I think a street photographer, you learn to know the right moment and you know it's in there you know it's in the can when it is mm. i and you're so excited and you get that that rush yeah and and you hope that it's sharp yeah <laughs> and it's in focus yeah. and uh and and i i get excited every time some people I, like i was just in dc last weekend and i was uh I was texting a friend and said, oh, I think I got a few good shots. And said, oh, well, yeah, big surprise. I'm like, no, but I get more excited now about it than I did actually 10 years ago. Mm. Um, it's the more I shoot street photography, the more I enjoy it mm. and the, the more I get the thrill. I think. Well, with that, let's let's jump in and start to look at some of your beautiful images. Um, you've sent me 10 photographs. They're all in the blog post at mbp.ac slash 364 or the Enhanced Podcast, if that's what you subscribe to. They'll be on your phone or your iPad and everything at the moment. So we'll, we'll go through these one at a time. Um, let's talk about this first one of the couple at the side of the river. Where is it? And you know, how did you shoot it? Oh, that that was in Paris a uh, summer or two ago. Um, I was actually working on a love uh, project for an exhibit, and um, well, I live in the Midwest in the U.S., so you don't have a whole lot of um, public display of affection. Mm. <laughs> so <laughs> you go to Europe and especially Paris, and it's like overload. Yeah. You have all those people and lovers. So I was walking along the riverbank and it was sunset. So the light was just beautiful. Mm. And, um, and I was with my family. I mean, this wasn't like I, w it, I, I was uh, on a family trip that summer. Mm. And, um, and I saw those lovers and we took a break and I got closer and closer and closer. They had no clue I was there. They were obviously busy, you know, loving each other <laughs> and so uh that was a pretty easy approach i would say but i i don't think the picture would have been anywhere any anywhere um as nearly as good if they had been from the front i think it just works well there is the the light you can tell it's it's a low light the yeah. sun is setting and just to see a little bit of their face i think it works you don't always have to see the face yeah i uh I, I get this with wildlife as well. You know, people. Some people love to see the eyes, but often, um, you know, the the expression where they're looking down, you can hardly even see their face. Never mind their eyes. It can it can sometimes work very very well. And and I agree, it, it's like that in here. And but there is a mood, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and it's like you say, the you can tell that even though you, it's a black and white, you don't see the warm tones, but you can see the the angle of the light coming in from the side on the bag and on his arm. And it, it just you instantly can tell that without really, you know, without seeing the color that it's a it's a sunset. So, but it look it works very well. I, I love this shot. You know, obviously I I knew before I asked that it was Paris, not because <laughs> not because you told me, but because it just it's just very Parisian. You can you can yes. feel it. Um, so is that sense of place important to you in your street photography? It is, and I. And I think it's because I teach travel photography in my workshop, and mm. and I think it's important when people um, are in Paris if they shoot street photography, it shoots say Paris, mm. um, and so I like to have some of the background, and and that's important when you. Um, this I was just walking, so there are several approaches of street photography. Mm. Um, if you don't mind me getting into this a little bit you can there are several approaches you can either walk the street and look for a trigger mm. and this 
this was a trigger. I was actually just walking down, not looking for anything in particular, but I was I was really in tune with uh, my theme of love. So whenever I saw people kissing or holding each other, I would instantly try to get a shot. So that's more walking and 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 looking for a trigger. There is another way of and which I really enjoy is to find a stage, and that works really well in travel photography, is to find a, uh, a stage in front of a, 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 a landmark or a building with some interesting architecture. And then you wait for the right people and mm. for the story to unfold. And so that takes a little bit of patience, but it's it's a lot of fun too. Um, so those are two two approaches that, um, that I use. Uh, mostly, I don't shoot from the hip or from the chest. Um, just I don't feel comfortable, and I feel it's to me it feels a little sneaky. Mm. And I'm I'm okay with explaining why I'm doing this if somebody wants to know why I'm taking a picture of them. So mm. I don't see any reason to to frame it wrong or having it crooked just because I'm trying to <laughs> shoot it from mm-hmm. the hip mm-hmm. without being able to see what's going on in the frame. So yeah. um, I don't do that approach, but a lot of street photographers do it and do it well mm-hmm. and have great results. That's just not what I do. Mm-hmm. But So, yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, we've got 10 photos. I'm going to go through these <laughs> relatively quickly. Sure. So uh, let's, let's move on to the next one. And this is... Uh, I'm looking at a, a beautiful. It looks like it looks like a Dalmatian, but I imagine it's a Great it's a, Dane. It's um, a Great Dane, which yeah. is you know in a big city like Paris is always unusual. Um, and same thing. That was a, a. I was walking down the street, and that was a trigger. The dog, and then I started looking at what else was going on. And mm. there are several stories here. Ooh, yeah. who, who does the dog belong to? Is it the guy who has the paper in his hand? What is he talking to with the other guy? And there are people having a drink at the cafe and. And so it's all about the story and mm. and then letting the imagination go wild and say, okay, you know, what's going on? And and I, I like this picture because there are so many different scenarios. Mm. There's, uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's the two guys talking. What, it looks like he's asking directions or something. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the people outside of the cafe, like you say. And the dog... Here, I uh, I love the fact that you've got this diagonal line. Talking compositionally, you've got this diagonal line coming down from the middle of the left side, leading you out the bottom right corner. Um, but the dog's I, you know, view, vision, his his line of sight is aiming just slightly off to the to the right of that, but still into the into the bottom right. And then if if the you know if the if the listeners uh, take a look at this the the sun is coming down the street at the same angle yes. so all of the shadows are, are leading that way it yep. it's sort of the the shot although it it makes my eye wants to go up and around and 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 look at the all of the left side and then the center and all of that but then all of the line of sight and the shadows lead me out the bottom right corner and then I'll go yep. down there and I'll start to think to myself okay so what was there what was the dog looking at Exactly. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's funny. It's it I have it does the same thing to me. You kinda wanna you kinda wanna move it to see what's what's happening further yeah. down the street. Yeah. And 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 that's definitely not a, I'm not in no way a criticism because, you know, i d I'm not saying you know, you probably get some people on the web that would uh, sit there in their basements and tell you that you should have included what the dog was looking at and all of that. <laughs> but it but it's not the case. You know, I mean it, I, I think just Talking, giving people enough information for them to start to invent the rest of the story 
is mm-hmm. is great you know so it's it's beautiful the way you've done this and and i think that's part of the fun too I, yeah. i've always wanted to know what people's life were all about you know i as a kid even mm. in the streets i always wondered oh i wonder what those people do or and um and i think that's why i'm so interested in street photography it's mm. the mystery part that interests me and never knowing what's going to be around the next corner and mm. there is always a story there is always a story it doesn't matter if you're in your own little town mm. and you photograph and you walk down the same street every day mm. every day there's going to be a new story unfolding and you just have to learn to see it yeah and um and if people take the time um, it's 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 like a treasure hunt. It's very exciting. Mm, yeah, and and I think that's one of the big things with me and my photography. And and although you know I'm I'm very happy with my photography. I'm always wanting to improve, but I'm happy with my photography and the stuff that I concentrate on. But I've I've never really been a great street photographer at all. And although I've I've done a bit and I enjoy it, I I just don't. For me, Tokyo, although, you know, I'm, I wasn't born here, um, but it, it's so much like home that I often just don't feel as though I even want to point a camera at it. And I'm, I know that I'm wasting opportunities in doing that because for most people it's it's exotic, it's it's totally different. Um, but I think that there's part of it is is that, you know, your, your own hometown. People mm. generally start to take it for granted, so... If you if you start to do this sort of stuff, and I and I'm feeling as though I should do more, um, maybe I'll go and buy one of those forty millimeter lenses and just slap it on the five. <laughs> take the cam, take the battery grip off, and yeah. uh, you know a smaller camera and just throw it because I do carry a camera pretty much everywhere I go, but I don't really I don't try to get shots. But I know that there's a lot more out there that I should probably be capitalizing on. It's, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's just because it doesn't. It doesn't interest me as much as the rest of the stuff. And so far, I've just prioritized my photography time to do the nature and wildlife. And that's fine. But, you know, just looking at this work, it makes me want to do more street photography. And and sometimes getting outside of your comfort zone is a good thing. And for a lot of people who've never tried street photography, and when I teach my weekend workshops, and some like I was just in San Diego two weeks ago on a mm. weekend workshop, and one of the one of the component of the workshop was an introduction to street photography. For several of them, it was something they had never done, mm. and uh, and we went to a busy market right away because mm. that's a good way to get started. Yeah. Um, you know, go to a busy place, nobody's going to notice you, or even start photographing street performers i know a lot of street photographers said ah oh, that doesn't count well it's a good way to get your feet wet mm. and um and to get over the fear of photographing strangers yeah. so it, it's okay just just have a, a a few coins and and drop a few coins or or dollar bills in their in the, in their basket mm. but take your time to do a nice street portrait yeah. and then from there you'll get over the fear and you'll I, I always guarantee them that they'll get completely hooked yeah. because once you start, you just want to do more yeah. and um, it's fun. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm going to move on to the next image here now. And this, this is a striking image as well. You know, they, I'm looking at a, a couple in a, a, in a restaurant or cafe, I guess a restaurant, we've got menus here either yep. side. And, you know, b- because you've provided us with such, such nice, uh, big images i can read the menus (laughs) i don't understand them but i can read them and that was also in paris and um that's a typical example of finding a stage and waiting for the story to unfold excuse Mm. me 
and waiting for the right people to sit. In Paris, the cafes, a lot of the cafes open completely. Like you can see the, the windows are open. So yeah. it takes care of the reflection, which is really great. And yeah. uh, there I was actually staying in a, uh, I had rented an apartment right across the street. So I had an advantage that I could kind of keep an eye on what was going on in the cafe, uh, the bistro across the street. Mm. And then I, so I would come down regularly and spend 20 minutes, about, I would say, 10 meters from the, from that table, mm. just across a really, really narrow street. Mm. And, and, um, then I saw this couple and I thought, oh, well they have, there's something about them that, that totally appealed to me. They, mm. they were engaged and in a conversation. And then I liked the fact that there is a sense of place because of the menu, yeah. which can be distracting, but here it's not really big writing because your eyes will automatically go to the writing and mm. a, and a photograph, but here it's not so distracting, but it, it gives a nice sense of place which works really well in travel street photography. Mm. So I, I set the stage and I just waited. And I was I shot this with a 50 millimeter lens. That was before I got my uh, 40. Mm. And, um, and I spent all week shooting with that 50. Mm. And it was comfortable, uh, very light. And, and then you learn, ex you know exactly where you need to stand to get that frame. Yeah. So you don't mess with zooming in and out. And it, I think you... Once you use to that fixed focal length lens, mm. you're more efficient. And mm. I think you can get the shot uh, right away. Yeah, yeah. So I, yeah. I no noticed that you've also, you included the the lady in the background at the le on the left of the frame. And yeah. I, that, I, that was intentional, right? Well, <laughs> probably not at the time. <laughs> I was really focused on the couple. Mm. But, I, I, you know, sometimes you discover things. That's what's fun about street photography. Mm. Something that was happening in the background that you didn't notice when you were shooting. That are make or break the picture, actually. Sometimes you're like, oh, shoot, I didn't see that. And look, uh -huh. they have uh, an antenna growing out of their ear or, yeah. you know. So it's important. I, I mean, I, I make sure I scan the frame of of my before I take the shot, I really do a quick look around, see if there is nothing distracting, mm. and you can always crop it out. I I really try to to crop in camera and just exclude distracting elements mm. before I take the shot because I think it's much easier, and I hate spending more than five seconds in the on mm. each picture yeah. <laughs> on Lightroom. Oh, so yeah, I yeah. try to I try to get it to get it right in camera, so I don't do much cropping, but. With a large sensor, I can always crop a little bit, so that's kind of. But yeah, she works. She she works well. I kept her in the frame because mm. she she's okay there. So <laughs> the other thing as well, I mean, obviously, once you you and my eyes here initially go to the couple, and then I'll I'll take a whiz around and look at the menus, and then I I went over to the to the lady in the back there on the left, but then I start to that she sort of leads me into the cafe, <laughs> but then my eye goes through and sort of wants to go around that left menu and then for some reason at that point i see all of the the probably ink paintings or or, or photographs on the wall look like charlie chaplin photos or something yeah and they're quite striking as well but they don't surprisingly they don't sort of really scream out at me and initially it's the it's the couple that are talking and the and the few people behind them that hit me first so and i i think they're, they're they had gray hair so that you know that's light yeah. in a really dark environment and i think that totally attracts your attention and and that's usually the also i don't always do black and white sometimes the color will be the subject mm. but black and white to me has a timeless quality and also it will um 
it will get rid of some distracting elements because the color is definitely the element that will draw your eye yeah. in an image. Yeah. And sometime in a busy scene like this, something really bright will draw your eye and mm. distract from the main subject. So I, that's another reason why black and white works well. I guess like that post in the foreground, if that was bright red, then that mm-hmm. would that would annoy the hell out of me. But with yeah. it being with it being just a, another grey tone, it uh, it blends in quite well, and it just shows me that it's a street. It doesn't become an annoyance at all. And and some people would say, "Why didn't you take that out?" I just don't. Yeah. I have the photojournalist approach. Yeah. I uh, I it's there. I keep it there. It was mm. there in the first place. It's yeah. not bugging me. Nah, and it's I great. like to keep it. <laughs> okay, let's move on to the next one. So okay. we here I'm looking at a, a a small person, you know, he's a supporting <laughs> element, but this here I, I imagine it's more about the the lines and the structure of the architecture, is that yeah. right? Yes, actually I shot this 2 days ago in Washington DC. Uh and I don't know wh- I don't know why I love this picture. It's probably because it's fresh mm. and uh it was a fun instant because I ended up talking to the guy afterwards and he was just wondering why I was so intent on keeping him in my frame. He wanted to move. I said, no, no, no. You just add a sense of scale. Mm. This this, this is uh, one of the Library of Congress in Washington, D.C., which is a giant building and Mm. it's so, has those sobering, I mean, it's kind of that um, strict and, and those lines are I mean, I, it would have been better with a wide-angle lens. I was just shooting with the 40. And I really wanted him to be very small at the bottom. So I was literally on the ground mm. trying to get a really low angle. And um, and I took a couple shots. And then he saw me and we started talking from a distance because I'm pretty far there. And uh, and I said, no, no, this works really well. And nobody will know it's you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but you add a nice sense of scale to the image. Without you, there is nothing, mm. and I need you there. And so it was kind of fun because um, he thought, "Oh, I had never thought of that," you know. Mm. And and uh, and I I like it. it just because those gigantic buildings and they're so impressive. Mm. And then he looks so small. I just wish I had had a wider angle mm. uh, lens. But then if I had had one with me. By the time I would have switched the lens, there would have been no shot. Mm. So I never regret. I, I, I leave the house with one lens only on mm. my camera, and mm. I never say, oh, I wish I had that other lens because <laughs> I, I'll just I'll use what I have that day. Yeah, well, it works well. I mean, and I, I, like the, I like the lines at the bottom leading us in, and we've got the, the, uh, these, these towering sort of segments between the windows but then you know this guy with his white shirt kind of stands out nicely it it would have been different if he had a gray shirt on or you know something that was blended in with the background more but he just pops just enough to get us get our eye over there and of course we're always going to be attracted to the human form so yeah Yeah. it's but yeah it really works well i love this yeah thank you so let's move on to the next one. And I guess this is one of your street portraits. That's a street portrait. That was also this past weekend in D.C. And um, this was a pedicab, a Capitol Hill pedicab hmm. uh, driver. And he was taking a break and it was right next to the White House. And um, it was also the sun was really low and coming behind him. Hmm. And he had this beautiful smile. Absolutely. And I, I looked at him twice and I'm like, 
oh, you got a beautiful smile. I really need to take a picture. <laughs> and uh, and he took his, well, first he put his glasses back on. I said, oh, no, 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 no. You have beautiful eyes too. <laughs> so he, he smiled. <laughs> his smile was even bigger. And he was completely into it. And he took his glasses off. And mm. then and then I took two shots, one with his glasses on, one with his glasses off. And mm. uh, he's just having a good time. And yeah. and who doesn't like a compliment? And mm. I'm I'm genuine. I mean, I I I would never photograph somebody because they look ugly or uninteresting. I photograph someone because there is something interesting, whether it's their smile or their cool hat or something. And I tell them if I do a street portrait and then I take my time, I try to, to try to do it right. Mm. And, um, because I already have the permission, so you might as well, you know, slow down and, uh, and do yeah. it right yeah. there. I didn't want to, I didn't want to move him, you mm. know, because he was so comfortable and, and enjoying her break. But um, it worked. I, yeah. I really like this picture because it was such a fun moment, and yeah. that's part of the experience. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, that the first thing that 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 big, beautiful smile is just it's yeah. that's crazy good. Uh, yeah. I noticed that you've got nice catch lights in the eyes as well. Is that did you put something up or or is that oh, natural? No. <laughs> yeah? I'm such I'm such a minimalist, Martin. Yeah. I don't I don't plant I don't bring reflectors with me. Mm. Mm. <laughs> no, I think that was actually a reflection from the the street. You yeah. know, the 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 sun hitting the the pavement and then yeah. reflecting back in his eyes. I I I saw that too and I was surprised because he's so backlit. Mm. And uh I didn't think I would have a catch light, but it worked. And I yeah. think it was a it was the uh, yeah the the sunlight bouncing on the on the pavement. Nice. It's very cool. Yeah. Yeah, I don't use flash or anything. I'm, mm. I'm uh, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it shows your images are very natural. It's uh, I I was kind of expecting you to say that it was a reflection of something. So it was one of those devil's advocate sort of questions. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's great. I, I really, really, I think um, this is one of my. They're all beautiful, but this is one of my favorites from the from the the, the whole set. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it just makes you happy. Yeah, it's a, it does. You look it's, at it and makes you smile. Yeah, and it makes you happy. Yeah. Yeah, smiles are contagious. It, you know, yeah. you, you see one, you just—it's like I often walk walk down and I'll see my wife watching the TV. She's got this huge smile on her face, and um, it's just—you know—she might not even be really that happy in in a you know at that present time, but she's watching something where someone's smiling and she's just smiling back. It's uh, it's quite funny how how people do that. Yeah, yeah, it's contagious. Yeah. Okay, so the next one, we have a, a little boy uh, trying to feed a pigeon, I see. So yes. and that was, tell us um, about this. That was on Dam Square in Amsterdam last summer. Mm. And, um, and that's a touchy thing, photographing kids. And that's probably yeah. the first question my workshop participants ask me. How do you approach that? How do you photograph kids? Um, and I said, just use your best judgment. If a parent is there... And, and and you can ask permission, do it. Mm. As a parent myself, I'm, you know, I, I find that so important. And you don't have to go to them and ask permission. You just show your camera and and nod mm. and they'll they'll nod back. It doesn't have to be a written permission. You know, mm. you're not doing anything wrong. You're on a in a public place. Yeah. You're not photographing somebody in a vulnerable situation or in an embarrassing situation. And I usually stress that out to my students. Those are the do's and don'ts. And mm. and not everybody thinks that way, but 
I never photograph somebody in an embarrassing situation. I don't get any satisfaction doing mm. that, and I'm not a photojournalist, so I don't photograph people in distress or anything. I, I like happy moments. I mean, they can be sad, but not not people crying their eyes out because something terrible just happened to them. I just yeah. don't do that. So as long as you're respectful. And um, so so I tell people, ask permission if you see a parent nearby. And mm. usually if there's a child that young, you would. Mm. Um, actually, strangely enough, there was no one around that I could... I, there were several people walk, uh, sitting on benches. So the parent was there. I couldn't figure out who it was. Mm. And I was just kind of... I was on my knees right in front of him. I was shooting this with a 50. And um, and I figured, well, if they have a problem with it, they will let me know. Yeah. And then I will stop. And they didn't. I took quite a few frames because I really wanted to get the pigeon in the frame. And and there were so many people in the background. And then I have those lovers in the background. But they don't, don't distract too much. Mm. Uh, I ended up doing a square crop because there were, they were more distractions. So that's just the only reason why I did a square crop on this one. Um, and uh, I wanted to get the kid in the right position. So mm. I, I, I took my time, but he was completely oblivious mm. to, I mean, he didn't know, he, I think he knew I was there, but he was so into intent on feeding that pigeon that he completely ignored me. So mm. it was a, it was a candid moment. And I think it's a sweet moment. Yeah, it is for sure. And so there's, you know, obviously the, there's some pretty weird people around and, mm -hmm. and that kind of spoils it, I guess, because yeah. I, I think for, you know, do you, well, I'm going to throw it over to you. Do you think that it's easier for women to take kid, photos of kids than, than guys? Possibly. Um, it, I, yes, I think it might be a little easier, um, especially a, a mother won't feel as threatened by another mm. woman probably taking a, a photograph of their child but a smile goes a long way yeah. and uh and if you if you explain why you're doing this and you're you're respectful I've, i was very surprised we did a lot of street photography in san diego with my workshop um participants a couple weeks ago and everybody got such wonderful uh photographs of children in candid situations mm. whether they were the the women participant or the men participants and uh all were so respectful and got permission and engaged the parents into a conversation after the fact. Sometimes we exchanged cards. I mean, I'm more than happy to send them a, a, a print of, mm. uh, of their child um, if, if I have a good image. That's the least I can do mm. um, if, I'm, if I'm happy with the results. Mm. And uh, so if there is an interaction, people usually don't feel threatened, whether it's a, a woman or a man photographer. But mm. Uh, yeah, it's and it's different in every culture. Mm. Uh, like the French are a lot more um, private than the Americans, so it's more difficult to photograph French children than it is to photograph American children. Oh, okay. And 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 every state is different too. It was very easy in Southern California. It's a little more mm. difficult in the Midwest. So uh, cultures are so different. Yeah, oh, that's good to know. It's uh, it's, it's certainly something that I know. You know the the smile does definitely goes a long way. Um, you know, and it's if you can disarm people pretty quickly with a smile, and as long as it's genuine. I mean, if you stand there grinning at someone, they're probably going to be just as worried as as they yeah. were uh, before you smiled. But uh, yeah, it goes a long way, I guess. And so, I I generally with what little street photography I do, I I often find you've you've mentioned it a couple of times that you look at someone sort of let them see the camera smile and sort of and you you can you can ask permission just with your eyes and you know yes. and that smile so 
And when people don't like it, they will let you know. There, oh, is, yeah. no mis- there is no mistake. Right, right. <laughs> You'll get the message right away. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, And even if you, you know, people ask you to delete, it's not a big deal. Even if you're in your rights, you're in a public place, mm. but somebody is uncomfortable with you having taken a picture of them or their child, mm. just delete. It's really not that big of a deal. Mm. And I think it's the right thing to do. But that's how I, that's how I feel. Not everybody feels this way, but yeah. um, it's just... It's just the respectful thing to do. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm I'm all for you know keeping the peace and and yeah and being respectful. It's I think you build a lot on on a bit of respect. So oh, and it has to be a good experience for both parties. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. You want everybody to be happy. Well, so. you you wouldn't be you wouldn't be happy with your photos knowing that you're using it on, when the person really didn't want you to do it. So exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Okay, good stuff. Let's move on to the next one. A gentleman walking along another square crop as well. And I do like the square crop. Square crop. Yes, I, I do too. Um, here was a very busy, it's in Paris, very busy place. So mm. it's hard to isolate a subject. Mm. And this gentleman looks, if if um, if you're a Francophile or you're, you're French, you will know Jacques Tati. And um, he reminds me of, those movies with Jacques Tati as an actor, uh, just the, to me, it was a striking resemblance how he he walks, leaning forward, the the trench coat, the cane. Mm. I think Jacques, Jacques Tati had an umbrella, but uh, the hat. And uh, when I saw him, it, I I totally I thought, oh, that's a shot. And mm. I just like the gesture, the just the way he's moving. There is movement in the image, and I mm. look for that. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's great. What what are those things on the ground? Are they like to stop people riding bikes or what? You know, oh those... no, it's actually it's actually um, like a it's called Les Colonnes de Buren in Paris. It's in um, Palais Royal, the Royal Palace, which is near Le Louvre, mm. and uh, it's just a park. And kids love playing on those. They're different heights, and they cover a really large area. It's a wonderful place for for photography mm. um, because kids play on those or they ride their scooters around them and and jump from one to the other. Mm. Um, it's just a really fun gathering place in Paris, and it's a fun place to do street photography. I usually bring my students there on the first or second day because it's busy mm. and a lot of people take pictures, so they won't feel so self-conscious mm. and uh, they'll be more comfortable taking their first steps into street photography in a busy place. Yeah, that's great. I think they, they add a, a lovely graphic element. I don't think this photo would be quite the same without those scattered around on the floor. Yeah, it's it's a fun place. Yeah. I highly recommend it. Yeah. So I also like, you know, the you've got the, you, you talked about the movement. I'll, there's the guy on the right just entering the frame. There's the there's the girl on the left side with a, you know, in full stride. Um, and it, you can tell that it's not a busy shot, but you can tell that there's lots of movement, like you say. So it works really well. I love it. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it it worked well in a square square crop, and that's when you when you do the crop, you have to watch those elements that are mm. right cl- really close to the frame. You don't want to cut something that could be interesting and add to the image. So, mm. um, but yeah. yeah, I don't spend tons of time thinking about all that. But <laughs> yeah, well, you you've mentioned that a couple of times that you don't spend a lot of time, and and that's I I don't either. If something takes me more than a, a a few seconds to sort out, then I generally just walk, you know, move to the next image. But what do you use to do your, um, you know, you, you said you, you worked in Lightroom. Um, 
do you do your black and whites in Lightroom or do you do that in an, in a plugin or something? No, actually, I, I do in, them in Lightroom. And I know there are some great plugins such as Nick Software. And I will try their, their Silver Effects Pro. Mm. There's a lot of really edgy black and white out there. And I'm not quite sold on it. Mm. I mean, I, I like it. You know, where you really see the, the, they work well on some subjects, like it really shows the age of an elderly person and, mm. you know, you see the, every wrinkle on their face and then, and, and they look great. It's just a little too edgy for me. Mm. Um, so I'd like to find a balance. I like my black and whites to be high, higher contrast, not flat. Yeah. So I do work with the contrast quite a bit and, um, but I don't like it to be too edgy that it looks almost fake. Mm. And so I will try Silver Effects Pro because I see a lot of really good work coming out of that. Mm. Um, I just never have enough time. <laughs> mm. No, I, I think it's it, it suits your style of photography very well. It, you don't, like you say, a little bit contrasty, but not too much. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, with me, with my, um, I, I rarely do black and whites of wildlife, but uh, for the, you know, the, landscapes that i do i I love a black and white especially long exposures and i like to push the contrast and and you know really work the structure so that it's it's quite a punchy image but um i think with with your work here you know like you say not overdoing it really suits it it seems almost cartier besson you know the the way you were you know i guess one of your um the the people that I, I would imagine that you you look up to as a street photographer, but it's the you know he he obviously it was it was years ago and he didn't have Lightroom and stuff like that to work <laughs> with, um, but but I think that you the style the feel of the image is actually quite similar you know they they're clean they're not overdone and uh, I I really like the style. It works for me and I think it's it suits me and it it takes just seconds and um you know that's that's my goal mm, <laughs> really I yeah. don't I don't like to spend a whole lot of time in front of the computer yeah. so um I I I don't ever use a preset I I tweak every image but it takes me seriously 5 seconds per image mm. I never spend much more than that if it takes much more than that then the image is probably not good enough and mm. I don't I mean, I could spend up to a, a minute, but really, that's it. Mm. Um, I, I, I think it's it's all about what's in the image. Mm. Anyways, you can't polish a bad image. <laughs> well, you, really, uh, you, you know what David David Dutchman says that you can't polish. I don't know if you've ever read this. You can't polish a turd. That's the one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's from him. I think it was a quote from another photographer, but yeah. I remember reading that in one of his books, and I love it. I didn't yeah. know if I could say that on the air, but <laughs> no, you, I did. <laughs> well, I also saw in an email recently uh, Joshua Holcock, great photographer from um, Australia. He also he built on that and saying, no, but you can roll it in glitter. So. <laughs> That's so right. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure if that's what we want to be doing. But it, I thought that was a good, a good retort. <laughs> that's, that's good. <laughs> okay, so let's move on to the next one. And I'm, I've got a couple of questions about this one as well. It's a, a, an elderly gentleman sitting in a chair. Um, and well, let, first, let's you know, tell us a little bit about the image. That's in uh, Paris at the luxembourg garden Mm. and which is just down the street from the hotel where my workshop participants stay at so we spend a lot of time in Mm. the luxembourg garden which is a wonderful place to shoot and um 
is a typical timeless image. When I see somebody like that sit, they have character and, uh, but that's not always enough. Mm. And so there I was, um, I don't remember. I may have been shooting with, um, my, my other favorite lens is actually the 24 to 70. If mm. I don't know if I'm going to be using, uh, needing a wide angle for architecture, that's yeah. usually the one I take, mm. which works well for street. Also, it's just heavier to carry all day. Mm. Um, and so there I got, cl I was really close, but I wanted more in the frame and they were those, um, I think it's a pigeon or some bird. Yeah. Um, and and he was looking at it, and I thought if I could get him looking at the pigeon and the pigeon coming in, you know, just facing him, that would work. And it worked without having tourists around and too much distraction and just the statue in the back and 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 you know the having the fence that's not the not the fence but the that yeah. uh, wall not going across his head. So you have to think of a lot of things really, really quickly. Yeah. You know, the distracting element. You know, his head could be right right where that flower pot is, and then it would look like he has this huge afro. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there could be so many things. So many things could go wrong. Yeah. Uh, so you really have to scan very quickly. And I think you learn to do that with experience. Mm -hmm. um, like, okay, because you may only get one or two shots. So. Oh. Yeah, well, I think that the, you know, obviously, the the angle here makes makes it. You've got, like you said, not only the the angle the angle from from a sort of right to left perspective, but you've got it at just the 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 height necessary so that you can actually see that the top of that wall along the other side of the courtyard, and so that that paints the picture of you know he's sitting there along this courtyard. Um, we can see that from that just that having that little bit of the wall in the distance. Um, but the other thing that I wanted to ask here is um, if, if I'd shot this image, I would have probably tried to look up more and show us more of the of the, the upper side of the screen and leave out that foreground. But with it, you know, with the way you've done this, it, that foreground is really appealing. It's like it gives us it, there's nothing down there. And this is this is me sort of fighting with myself, my my the person in the that I am want I want to be able to compose this so that I get rid of the the foreground. It's like portraits with people's heads in the very center when you've got loads of room above their heads and you think well why? And the the logical side of me wants to say why have so much foreground? But <laughs> but the aesthetic here is saying that it just works so well. Is there some sort of a a, a law or not a law but a, you know a rule or guideline with street photography about including foregrounds? I don't think so. And I don't think there really is any rule in street photography. I shoot low. Mm. I mean, I was probably, again, <laughs> on my knees. Mm. Uh, I'm going to have really bad knees <laughs> as I get older. <laughs> um, but I was really low. And I like having that blurred foreground. Mm. To me, it leads the eye to the to the subject it's yeah. not distracting i like that i i like negative space i mm. like minimalist photography when i do landscape i only shoot you know trees in the snow in the fog mm. and uh, i like the minimalist look and i think that might be why i like to add some foreground and some negative space even in the street photography mm. i really shoot more than one or two people at a time i don't mm. like busy i mm. like simple and maybe adding the foreground made it a little more simple and mm. And added that negative space. I don't. I really. Th I don't think I. Sh I put a lot of thought process into it. That's just how I feel it mm. and how I shoot it. Um, 
and and it just worked it just worked for me yeah. and and yeah some people could analyze this all day but i i didn't i just shot it mm. i saw it and i shot it and i don't uh, i don't overanalyze things a yeah. lot if, and but i can tell if it works or if it doesn't work if i see it in post and something did not work i will see it right away yeah. and i will trash it or yeah. i'll try to fix it and crop it i will know right away if it doesn't work mm. But no, it, it I think does, it works. Yeah, I I agree totally. Uh, and it's like you know, the, like you say, the negative space it leads you into the image, and it's like the foreground in the shot with the little boy with the pigeon. There's there's a lot of foreground there, but it works well. And I, I think it's I I uh, I really like it. it. It's not the way I would have I would have initially thought of composing a shot like this, but it works beautifully. So I'm I'll, I'll have to keep this in mind. More foreground in the, if I do street photography, more foreground. So, okay, let's move on. We've got a couple more shots to go through. Um, <laughs> this next one, we've got the, what, what, tell us about this. It's a beautiful reflection. That's the uh, U.S. Capitol in Washington, D.C. Again, this past weekend. Um, I just, uh, I like to include people in my frames. And that's an example of people being secondary subjects. Mm. Uh, obviously here the main subject is the capital and I always teach in my workshop that um, you should try to find a different way to shoot an iconic landmark than a straight on picture of the US Capitol in DC would be pretty boring. Mm. And I, I, I saw this reflection walking uh, by this marble surface. So I only have the reflection of the capital. I don't have the capital in the background. I only mm. have its reflection which I think works well. Um, but then I wanted to include the people in the background. They're very small, but they're there and mm. they add life to the picture. You know, a lot of photographers who do cityscapes and landscape, they don't want people in their picture. Mm. And, uh, I do, I, mm. I think, I think the image would not be complete without them. They mm. add life. They had, they add movement mm. and, uh, and although they're not the main subject, mm. including people in your frame will definitely add life. Yeah, to your to your picture. Yeah, so, they they uh, they certainly they add they add scale, they add life, they uh, they're great supporting elements. It's uh, it works really well. I, I like that one of them's a photographer as well. Yes, <laughs> a lot <laughs> of those around. <laughs> I've got a lot of photos where, it, and and to me sometimes it's the photographer in the shot that I mean I I often call them the, the photographer photographing, and it's just yeah. it's just you know the, there's something about the you know the maybe the I know that there's this sort of kindred sort of spirit in us, in us all that, you know, we want to photograph each other. I've got, there's one guy, a, uh, a friend of mine here in Tokyo, and we've traveled together a number of times and I've got hundreds of shots of this guy and it's just, you know, it's just silly and we, and we rarely use them, but I, I, there's just something about a photographer in a scene. It is um, fun. Yeah, but it's, these are great supporting actors. I, I see totally what you mean. Um, and you do see some amazing uh, landscapes where just adding a person way off in the distance makes them so much better. So it's uh, yes, yeah, mm -hmm. great stuff. Um, so it was marble, and I, I was I thought it was probably was, but it's a, it's a very nice reflection. Yeah, it is pretty clean, and uh, the marble was uh, at spots, but it it worked, and uh, it was uh, I I loved it. I don't mm. even think I have a picture of the U.S. Capitol. I only have a couple reflections of it because. 
I, I think they're more interesting. That's just thinking outside the postcard shots. And I talk a lot about that in my workshops. Like, you know, find a puddle yeah. <laughs> or something to yeah. photograph the Eiffel Tower in. Yeah. Or or uh, somebody walking by with an umbrella and get their reflection. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's, so, there's so much better images than mm. just shooting the landmarks straight on like everybody else does. Yeah, yeah. It's great advice. I'll, uh, I'll definitely be keeping it in mind. <laughs> Okay, so the last one. This well, you're gonna uh, love that one. You like uh, photography? Yeah, the, another photographer <laughs> photographing. Uh, the, but you know, obviously here we've we've got the, um, the the guy photographing, but then the the lady walking out there, and that and these two very powerful, striking silhouettes, and then we've got the the pyramid, and that's a, that's a gallery or something, isn't it? Yeah, that's the Louvre, actually. Oh, okay. That's the Museum of the Louvre, and the main entrance now is in that. Uh, pyramid, mm. which I love because there is contrast. Sorry, contrasting architecture. Mm. Uh, it's a, it's a beautiful place to to photograph uh, with or without people. Mm. Um, but actually, I was um, I was I was walking by and I saw this. I, I love silhouettes, and silhouettes only work if the subject is easily recognizable. Mm. Here you can tell it's a photographer. People with umbrellas uh, are good silhouettes, or people with bikes, or people holding hands. You have to know what they're doing or who mm. they are. You know, people just standing there, it don't look like anything. You just have to uh, have an element that will that will tell you what the silhouette is. Mm. And yeah. here it's obviously a photographer. So it was a... a I, the only reason why I had time to take the shot was because he was actually waiting for the woman to ex to leave the frame so he could take a perfect shot of the pyramid in that archway. Mm. I didn't really care about that part. I mean, the pyramid is not straight on. I, I didn't have time for that. It was either I get the shot or I don't get it. And mm. I, at that point, my that was the least of my worries to get the pyramid and the arch centered perfectly. I wanted that woman in the frame. Mm. Because it adds movement oh. and and it worked well, whereas he was actually there for uh, more than he needed to and gave me that shot because he was waiting for that person mm. to leave the frame. So cool. it worked out to my advantage. <laughs> yeah, very nice. Yeah, the, I love the, it. yeah, the old and the new, and then the the the, port, the people as the supporting actors. Mm -hmm. It's uh, it's very nice, very nice. Yeah, silhouettes silhouettes are fun to do, mm. um, uh, and and um, and they're fun to look for. Yeah, I, yeah. So um, outside there, was it, it? It looks a little bit misty. There's, a, you know, is it raining yep. or mist or? Yeah, that was in January last year, and uh, it was starting to rain. Yes. Okay, that that adds so much again because if it was a beautiful clear day, there'd be a lot more contrast out there. And yeah, having that uh, that bit of you know the, the fact that um, I think it was Jay Mazel said something about you never trust air that you can't see. Um, oh. And it's, one. yeah, I, I love that, you know, just being able to see that, that there's a little bit of something happening out there, uh, either mist or rain or something. It just, it just reduces the contrast and really enhances the, the, the silhouettes. It's beautiful. Yeah. Great one. So, um, you know, not only congratulations on, on a beautiful body of work, but, uh, you know, you. It, it's just, it, it's been a lot of fun walking through these with you and, I, I I'm sure that the listeners are going to have enjoy, are going to enjoy this as well, and I uh, I'd like to finish just um, by asking you to to let us know where we can find you online. I and I'll put the I'll put the links into the show notes. But where can people find you, Valerie? Well, actually, uh, my website, which is 
valeriejardinphotography.com, and that's all in one word, V-A-L-E-R-I-E-J-A-R-D-I-N photography.com. I'm going to be redoing my website next month because um, it's actually highlighting more my commercial work and not so much my workshops, and and I'm kind of phasing out the commercial work now and Mm. pretty much focusing all my attention and teaching so uh but my the the address will remain the same so um my work there's a workshop page on my website i'm very active on my facebook page which is valerie jardin photography and uh, i'm i'm starting to get some traction on google plus so i'm excited (laughs) (laughs) i must be on some list or something because all of a sudden i get so many more people every day watching my looking at my work and and commenting and and so it's been actually kind of fun being on google plus so i'm glad well that's great and uh, although we've got those nasty cryptic google plus um link you know the profile uh, links yeah. i'll just, just google my name yeah well i'll i'll put a link to to your your google plus and your twitter and your facebook uh, Thank you. Uh, all in the in the show notes so that they'll all be at to mvp.ac slash 364 so go take a look take a look at the even if you you uh, listen to the Enhanced podcast. The images on the website are beautiful and big, so go over there, fill, go to full screen with the browser and have a look through the images because they really are beautiful. So uh, thank you very much for your time today, Valerie. It's been a pleasure. I've had a lot of fun and I've learned some stuff about uh, street photography that I'll be putting into into practice as well. Thank you. You'll have to come on my Paris workshop and I'll go to the Snow Monkeys with you. That sounds like a plan. <laughs> We could probably learn from each other a lot oh, I'm since, sure. we, since we shoot so so uh, such different genres of photography. But it's it's all good. I yeah. I photograph whatever moves me. I uh, I mean yeah. I love doing street photography, but I love a beautiful landscape. And I think uh, I think it's we should limit ourselves. We need to explore and absolutely and yeah. So it, it's great. Yeah, good stuff. Okay, well, really, thanks so much for for your time and uh, and all of your insight. It's been a it's been a blast, and uh, I'm I'm looking forward to hearing what people have to say about this episode. Thank you. I hope they enjoy it. Okay, so that was a lot of fun. I I really enjoyed speaking with Valerie, and uh, as I mentioned, the all of the beautiful images that we spoke about are on the blog at mbp.ac slash 364 but they're they're also embedded in the enhanced podcast if that's what you subscribe to but really they they look so much better on the big screen so go over to the blog and take a look if you haven't already uh so really though thanks very much for listening today remember that you can find me on google plus and twitter etc and links to everything that i'm up to are on the top page at martinbaileyphotography.com so do drop by and take a look I'll be back next week with another episode, but in the meantime, you take care and have a great week, whatever you're doing. Bye-bye.